watch out for that. Over the next couple of weeks, you'll be able to sign up. And hopefully we get loads of people, as many of us as possible, signed up to those groups. Right. This morning, we are going to continue in our series that we've been doing on identity. And so we are going to start off, we're going to launch straight away by um, going into Scripture. So I would encourage you, if you've got a Bible, to open it and to have it open or to turn it on and put the app on. And we were going to be looking at the Bible this morning. I'd encourage you to keep it open, have it open so that we, you can refer back to it, make sure that um, it is what is the text says that we're talking about this morning. So the first verse, and it is only one verse, is Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry, it's going to come up in the screen behind me. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So maybe put a thumb in that, maybe put a bookmark in that, because we're going to go to another passage this morning, which is 1 Peter chapter 2. And verse 11, and that says this, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. So what we are going to be looking at this morning is our identity, who we are. We're going to be looking at how those parts of our identity are shaped by the things that we've just read. And as someone who works with children and young people, having worked with children and young people for quite some time, it is it is very, it's a great thing to look into identity because our identity is formed in our adolescence, right? When we're younger, that's when our, our identity is formed. And some of the research that has been done into that has been saying that basically as we form our identity, we ask three questions, okay? First one is, who am I? The second one is, where do I fit? And the third one is, what difference can I make? Who am I? Where do I fit? What difference can I make? So all of the questions that we are asking as we are growing up are forming around those three questions about who we are, who we are made to be, and our place in the world. And what I love about working with children and young people, but also with anyone, is that Jesus answers those three questions. And he answers those three questions in the most profound and beautiful way. And so as we look together this morning at the scriptures, we unpack what that means for us. I'm hoping that we'll be able to answer those three questions as part of our identity in Christ. So what we're going to be looking at this morning is we're going to be looking at how we are citizens and exiles, citizens of heaven and exiles on this earth. And I'm aware that we don't necessarily use the exile language very much. I hope most of us would understand the citizenship language, being as we are all citizens of a country. But the exile language, I get, can be something that we, we don't often talk about. Um, so I, before, the, before the first meeting, we, we prayed together as a, as a kids work team. And as I said what I was going to be preaching on, people were like, what on earth is that? Okay, so I'm hoping that as we go through um, this morning, that you will understand what it means to be a citizen and an exile. So our citizens, uh, citizenship, it's a hard thing to say, our citizenship of heaven and our subsequent exile on this earth is only made possible through the blood of Jesus and through this Holy Spirit working in us. That this is a work that Jesus has done for us on the cross. Because as we are, we are citizens of heaven right now, but we are not either A, in heaven right now, or B, on an earth in which Jesus has brought heaven down to. Okay, So 
we are not in heaven right now. So for those who, who, who pass away before Jesus comes back and know him, we believe they go to heaven, to the place where Jesus is. For those who, but what our hope is that when Jesus returns, he's going to come down and bring heaven to earth. Okay? But we are not living in either of those realities at this current moment. So even though we are citizens of heaven, even though that is something that God has done for us, we are living in a reality where we are now exiles on the earth. That we are citizens of heaven, but as a result of that, we are exiles on this earth. And just with kind of all of life, and particularly with all aspects of our identity, that there's, there's almost there's two realities where this identity plays out, right? So there's the, there's the spiritual reality of these things, and then there's the, the physical reality, right? The practical reality. So there's the things that is true in, in, the, in the spiritual places where God is, when God is working, that we can't see. And then there's the physical, practical ways that these things work out in our lives, Okay, so we're going to unpack a bit of this. So the first thing is that as citizens of heaven, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says that we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence. So this is our spiritual reality, okay, that through Jesus, we have access to God. We have access to God's goodness, to God's grace, to God's love, to God's mercy, to God's kindness, to God's power. We have access to God through Christ and what he has done. So a modern picture of this might be if you were to go on holiday somewhere or if you were to move to a different nation, the way you would do that is you would go through an airport or through a, a port port, a boat port, and you would go and as you get there, you would have to present your passport, right? And by nature of your passport, you would either gain entry or be denied entry to that country. If you had no passport, you wouldn't even get near the border, right? So it's through, if you imagine that spiritually speaking, that if we were trying to access God's presence, that before Jesus, we were separated from his presence. We had no access. The border was shut because of sin and our sin and all that we had thought, said, felt and done against God and what he has said is good. But in Jesus, we've been issued a passport, a passport of Jesus's forgiveness of his death and sacrifice on, on our behalf. And that has led to our entry into God and his presence. That our passport is stamped righteous. Our passport is stamped clean. Our passport is stamped whole because of Jesus. And we get to enter into God's presence. And if we just think about practically what that means. What that means is that right now, in this moment, we can know, experience, encounter and feel the presence of God in our lives, that we can truly know God, that we can truly know his love, we can truly know his goodness, we can truly know his grace. And this is why prayer and worship and listening to God and giving time to that is such an amazing privilege, because we can actually do that. But if we just stop and think about it just for a moment, that we can Go into the presence of the living God who created all things and sustains all things. So the one who is the source of all life, all goodness, all love, all power, all authority. We can go into his presence 24 hours a day, unrestricted access to his presence because of Jesus. 
that that is free and available to us. This is what it means to be a citizen of heaven. But it's a physical reality that we can encounter God. We can meet with God. We can feel his presence and see him close and see him work in our lives. And it's, and it's challenging, right? Because we live just in a distracted age. And we get this, right? Like there's so many demands on our time and, and normal demands, right? Like just from things like work and housework and like kind of all the things we've got to get done in the day. And if you've got kids, all the things that that involves and, and all of those things. And then on top of that, we've got all the distractions of emails and social media and TV and all those things. And how much of our time we spend occupied with these things when we have the opportunity to enter into God's presence to encounter and experience the living God who loves us and who knows us and who's got a plan for us. And just as I was preparing this week, prophetically, I just feel like there's someone here that as I've, as I've been saying that, that you, that you feel like I've, I've tried that, right? I've tried to encounter God's presence. I've tried to feel him nice. I've close. I've tried praying. I've, I've put my hands out when people have told me to put my hands out. I've, I've done those things and I just have never felt God's with me. And that you feel like that's either because there's something wrong with you or because maybe God loves you a bit less or maybe because maybe it's just it's all this is all a bit of a fraudulent thing, like it's not actually real. But I just feel like God just wanted to say that actually he wants a relationship with you, but he wants it to look like your relationship with him, not other people's. That other people will encounter God in all different ways. And there is a unique way which God wants to meet with you that is different from other people. It's not going to look like the same thing it does for you as it does for other people. And just to encourage you, and if that is you, if you do feel that really resonates with you, can I just encourage you, we're going to have some time for response at the end. Just either let the person that you've come with know or the people around you know or come up to the front and chat to someone at the front. And we would love to pray with you for that. The second thing, though, about being a citizen of heaven is that we are governed by a different hope, by different laws, and ultimately by a different authority. Okay, that spiritually speaking, we are, we are governed by this, that the rules that we live by, the lives that we live, are determined by who God has revealed himself to be in the scriptures, in the Bible, and the Holy Spirit working in our lives to reveal that truth to us. That that is the rules that we live by, that they, we are governed by different rules, by different hope. And what this means practically is that we, we do, or should, feel like exiles in this world. We should, we should feel that there is a distinction between the way that people who don't know Jesus live and with the, us as people who know Jesus live. There should be that distinction. And this will mean so many different things for everyone in this room. Okay? I, could, I could go all day like, talking about all the different circumstances that you might face where this might work out. Okay? But some examples would be things like you don't take part in the office or the family gossip and banter. It may mean that if you are out for drinks with friends, you do not objectify other men or women. It may mean that you look out and care for that person or that people who other people are despising and shaming and putting down. And the reason for all of this is that our hope, what we live for, is not in this world. It is not in the things that this world offers. So this means that we don't sacrifice our marriage or our children on the altar of money and success. It means that we don't sacrifice fellowship and meeting with other believers for the sake of a promotion. It doesn't mean that we it means that we don't sacrifice coming out and braving the cold to come to a prayer meeting for the sake of sitting on our sofa under a blanket watching Netflix. 
that there is a, a reality where this plays out. And kind of the, the passage that we read out of 1 Peter chapter 2, there's this word when it says, talks about foreigners and exiles. And it comes from this, this, this root word that means strange. And I just think that is the most profound and simple way of explaining this is that we are supposed to be strange to people, okay? Not weird, not loopy, not like you cross to the other side of the street, strange, but like strange in the sense that people should look at our lives, the way that we talk to and about other people, the way that we conduct ourselves, the way that we use our finances, the way that we do things when no one else is looking, people should look to our lives and they should be like, that is a strange way of living. That is a strange way of being. It does not line up with the assumptions that I have about the way the world works or the way that reality is because our lives are governed by a different hope, by a different king, by a different set of laws that are written on our hearts. And when young people come to church for the, same, for the first time, I often have to use this analogy where I ask them if they've ever been to another country because often, like, what I found is I became a Christian when I was 14. I walked into church for the first time, and I, I can tell you this is what it felt like. I'm like, you know, you go to another country, and people talk different, and they have different ways of time, and they've got different ways of thinking about things, and they've got different approaches to potentially even, like, food and dress. And it just feels odd, and it feels weird. Like, you feel like you're in a different culture when you come into church. And I'm like, obviously, that way I explain that to young people is like, and that's normal. That's great. It should be like that. This is the way it should be. Church should feel strange to people. Our lives should feel strange to people because our lives should look like Jesus. So a couple of just, they are silly examples, is I remember, so I became a Christian when I was 14. At 15, I had the, I had the opportunity, the privilege to go and go skiing um, with my school. And so as part of that, See, we were on the slopes every day, and there was a there was a girl in the year below me who I didn't know I didn't know at all, and she'd she'd hurt her ankle one day. And kind of what we did is at the end of every day, the coach would park at the bottom of the hill, and the hotel was on the top, and we'd have to walk our gear up to the top. So as I was walking my stuff up after a kind of a day of skiing, I noticed that this girl was like hobbling along carrying her stuff, and I thought, flipping heck, poor girl. So I dumped my stuff at the top of the hill, and I came down. And I was like, can I help you carry your stuff up? And she stopped dead, looked at me in the eye, and said. What do you want? And I was like, I, I get it. I'm a teenage boy. I understand what you think I want. But I was like, no, look, you've hurt your ankle. Can I please just get your stuff to the top of the hill for you? So I was able to, I carried the stuff to the top of the hill. And what was lovely is that obviously I said, okay, thanks, bye, walked off. And then the next day she came over and had a conversation with me. And we had this, started this lovely friendship because she realized I didn't want anything from her. And the other thing is that kind of we, I had this, with this friend um, back where we used to live in Sussex, myself and Hannah, my wife, and we were in this, in this conversation with him, and, and he was this amazing guy, but he was, he was ex-military, he'd done a couple of tours of Afga Afghanistan, and so he had some big questions about God, right, as you would if you'd been in those environments. And so, but he just, he knew, he knew that Jesus was the way he wanted to go, but he kept on coming into these questions. So we, we had him around for dinner one night, and he was, you know, normal, deep questions, answer all these things for me. And kind of as we were talking, we were talking about kind of how Jesus fulfills us. And I was like, look, you know, I'm married to Hannah, but Hannah can't fulfill me. Like, she can't satisfy my need for love, my need for affection, like, my, all this sort of stuff. Like, she can't do that. And he was, he was absolutely horrified. He was mortified that I said, he was like, you can't say that. 
Like, she's right there. And I was like, but no, but it's, but it's true. And then Hannah turned around and went, yeah, Sam can't do that for me either. And he was like, he, he just, he was like, I don't understand. If someone, if I was in a relationship with someone and they said they don't fulfill me, I would be absolutely, like, it would, it would break me. But it was like, no, but this is what it means to follow Jesus. Like, Jesus fulfills us. And therefore, other people don't have the weight of that. And I remember talking, when, after we'd had our, our, our first child, Livia, I remember talking to some of our friends who weren't believers, um, sort of thing about how it was all going. And it was like, yeah, we've not, we've not had to cook for two weeks because people have just brought us food around every night. And they're like, what are you on about? And it's like, yeah, Jenny. I was like, not, even, not only have we not had to cook for two weeks, I've not done any shopping because people could just keep turning up and filling our fridge. And it just blew their minds that there was a community of people that would be willing to do that for other people. And of course, there'll be similarities, right? There will, of course, be similarities between us and people in our culture because we've grown up together, right? We're going to have similar cultural references. We're going to have similar ways of thinking through the world, you know, similar food habits, all that sort of stuff. There will, of course, be similarities. But the truth is that if our lives do not look any different from the people who are around us who don't know Jesus, then we are not living as who God has made us to be as citizens of heaven. Like there's something wrong. If our lives look no different, if no one can say there's something different about the way we think, talk, act, then there is, there's something wrong with that. And James chapter 1 verse 27 talks about how it's, it's a bit like some people who, who hear the words and then don't do what it says. It's like someone who goes to a mirror, looks in the mirror, turns around and com- immediately forgets what they, what they look like. They've forgotten, you've forgotten who you are. If you hear what God has said, who God has said that you are, and you do nothing about it, it's like looking in the mirror and then turning around and just forgetting who you are. And Romans chapter 12, verse 2, explains it like this. It says that citizens of heaven are not to conform to the pattern of this world, to the way of this world, but are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, by knowing who we are in him and living according to that. And the positive of all this is that when we do live as citizens of heaven, when we do live out our identity, we get to see God's kingdom breaking through in the world around us. We get to see people set free from things. We get to see people saved. We get to see people encouraged. We get to see people healed. We get to see people come alive as they see God for the first time and what he's like. We get to encourage other people and see them strengthened in their walk with Jesus. We get to see God breaking through as we live as citizens of heaven. We get to partake in that. That That's something that God has given us to do. And I've said it before, and I will continue to say it, that if you are bored as a Christian, it's because you're doing it wrong. If you're bored as a Christian, you're just doing it wrong. Because there is such life in living for Jesus. So some stories would be, so when me and Hannah moved to Ashford, um, we very early on, we went on a date night. We went to Pizza Express at the outlet. And over the course of the evening, we got to know our waiter there. Um, and he was he talking to us how he'd been in a motorbike accident. He was in horrific pain in his back. He was on all sorts of painkillers. Um, and nothing was helping, right? He'd been on painkillers for years. And so we just said, look, we're Christians. Can we pray for you? Just pray for him there. And you know what it's like in Pizza Express? Like, the tables are that close together. So it's quite hard to, like, do anything subtle. And so, like, we prayed for him and his back. And so in the middle of this restaurant, he's, you know, we, we said, pray for him. Like, you know, is there any difference? And he was going, whoa, that's loads different. 
And it's just absolutely amazing. You get to see God break through when you live for Jesus. We had this amazing story from, from the kind of the youth group um, a couple of, a few weeks ago where someone had a word of knowledge. Um, so someone had a, said there's someone here with pain in this area. Someone responded to that and we prayed for that person. That person got healed. And what was amazing is there was this, there was this young person in the room who just like piped up in a quiet moment where, you know, kind of completely unexpected and just went, how did you do that? There's this response of just going, like, God broke through. You know, and if anyone in this room has had the privilege of sitting with someone and praying with them as they come to say yes to Jesus for the first time, when you see that light come on in their eyes, when you see, like, God is real, and they accept his love, and they feel him close, like, there's nothing like it. Like, and even just encouraging people. So, like, this week um, in our year four to six life group, I'm kind of in a time, we had a time of prayer, and as part of that, I just felt God gave me a couple of words for some of the, some of the, two, two of the young girls. And as I, was, I was just encouraging them and just sharing what I felt like God said to them. You physically saw their faces light up as they heard who God says that they are, as they saw, as they realized that God was speaking to them. And that we get to take part in this together. This is what it means to be a citizen of heaven, to take part in those things. It's not just a reality where we can feel and experience God and who he is. It's where we can share that with other people as well. And I do want to be upfront and really honest that the majority of this work is ordinary, everyday faithfulness. Like, of course, there's massive highs when you see people healed or you encourage someone or someone gets saved. Like, there's massive highs in this journey. But the majority of the work is getting up every day and just being obedient, doing that work of getting into God's presence, doing that work of prayer and reading the Bible, doing that work of meeting with other believers and being encouraged, doing that work of of saying no to the things that God has said aren't good and turning and doing the things that he has said is good. That is the majority of the work. It's not glamorous following Jesus. If you want a life of glamour, then Jesus is the wrong Lord for you. You need to go and follow Taylor Swift. Okay? But following Jesus is worth everything. It's worth giving up glamour. It's worth that everyday faithfulness because you get to see him break through in people's lives. Finally, Citizens of heaven are marked by their love for God and their love for one another. So in John chapter 13, verse 35, it says that it is by our love for one another that we are known as Jesus' disciples, that we are citizens of a vast heavenly kingdom stretching across time and around the world that we are part of this. I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you've, you've gone abroad or you, maybe you've even moved abroad and you find someone either on a holiday or as you've moved who come from the same city or the same village as you. And you find them in this, in this complete place where you didn't expect to find anyone the same as you and you meet them and there's this moment of going, ah, you're from there. And you get, there's just this joy of knowing that there is someone like you in this place that's strange and is different. And actually, that is exactly what it means to be part of the global church is it that as we go into the world that there are people who are like us who are with us who know us and know what it's like to be us and help us because practically we just need to acknowledge that being an exile in this world is hard it is hard living for Jesus day in day out, saying no to the things that this world offers, saying no to the temptations, saying no to the the lies that say about how we can't meet with God, there's not enough, there's professional Christians to do that job. 
to, to, to not deny those things and genuinely follow Jesus. It is hard to do that. And that is why it is so important to be part of the community of believers, the community of citizens, that we get to be encouraged and strengthened as we meet together, as people with all their gifts come together and encourage and share with one another. That's how we get the strength, we find the strength to go out into the world and to live as exiles and to be like Jesus. So realistically, what this just means is that we just need to be involved and we need to be available. It means getting here on a Sunday as often as you can. It means being part of a life group in whatever way you can. And if you can't be part of a life group, get part of, be part of a growth group. And we'll explain more about those kind of as the weeks go on. It means encouraging each other in the week, text one another, call one another, have people around for dinner, just be encouraging one another, strengthening one another together. So in summary, who am I? I'm a citizen of heaven and an exile in this world. Where do I fit? I fit with God in his presence and with his people. And what difference can I make? Well, with God's people, empowered by his spirit, we can see the kingdom of God come in the lives of the people 